Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I'm your host, Wes Easley. You can find me on Twitter at Loafinit. You can follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. You can head over to Anchor FM, find the show on whatever listening platform you like to listen to shows on, and subscribe right there. But now, let me bring in the man with all the blogs in the world, all the rankings we need, with the thoughts and opinions that I want to say encompass the nation. John, John Frisella, Mr. Handyman himself. This is the John Frisella Tool Time Edition. <laughs> what an introduction, my friend. I don't know. I don't know if I can live up to that. Those are those are some high and mighty words. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure, this is uh, the home improvement episode. I got some gentlemen here. We're working on some custom closets. They're doing some work outside. Last week, we caught the squirrel. We talked about that on the show. It ate into the side of the house. So you might hear some drilling. You might hear some banging, but guess what? Football doesn't stop. We never stop. No, we never stop. The only thing that stops me, and and I had to wait to call you to do the podcast here on Saturday morning because my girls were leaving the house to go to a, like an all-day activity, an all-day event. And and I tell you, I, I, I don't understand what goes through sometimes my girls' minds, right? It's my daughter. It's my wife. It's my little daughter, you know, and stuff like that, 13-year-old, 5-year-old. It, it takes them two hours to get ready. <laughs> But yet in the last five minutes, it's nothing but chaos. How, how does that, I don't understand how that happens. I know they do a lot more prepping than I do to get out of the door. I know they have to look a lot better than I do whenever I leave the house because all I do is put a hat on and I'm ready to go. But, but how does everything wait until the last five minutes? There's nothing done in the two hours before then that I, that I can tell. It's a great theory. I, I wish I knew. You know, it's like a mystery. You know how we have our, our man world and there's the female world. It's like we don't really know what's going on. In that female world, just like they don't know what we're talking about when we're sitting around having a couple of brewskis, you know, so we that's like a mystery. What happens in that two hour window? Do they transport somewhere else? Do they go to like what what are they doing with their hair that whole time? You know what you reminded me of was an episode of Friends, a very famous episode. It was called The One Where No One Is Ready. And David Schwimmer, who's Ross, is going to a function for work and all the friends have to go and they have to dress up. And it's literally the half hour before they have to be there and no one is dressed and no one's ready. And he's been telling them for like weeks that this thing is happening. And he's like freaking out. He's like, how is no one ready? So it reminds me of that, that who knows what's going on during that time period. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand. All I know is it's time to go when my wife brushes her teeth. That's that's it's the last thing she does before she walks out of the door. And, and I, whenever I hear the toothbrush going, because, you know, it's one of those sonic toothbrushes or whatever. And, and whenever I hear that going, and I get my keys. I'm walking out of the door because there's there's nothing left to be done. So that's that's always my little buzzer. Now, you say this is the tool time thing. You're not really a handyman. So that's why you have all these guys doing this stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, we got we have to be realistic about our skill sets in this world, right? If you want me to hang a picture, okay. I got my toolbox. It's a legit toolbox. It's not like, you know, a couple of pieces that were from 1970. It's real. It's legit. I'll take it out. I'll bang up a nail. I'll hang it. We'll center it. We can do that. You want me to put a lamp together? I did that the other day. A couple of lamps came in. Okay, this, this type of stuff I can do. But if you want me to cut a hole in the wall and find the electrical source without killing myself, there's a no percent chance. I'm going to be dead. If you need me to find the electrical source. So I have these guys coming in and, and thank God, you know, the house was renovated before we bought it. So that's good. But there were certain things that were left out that we knew about that being closet space. So that's what these guys are working on here. I mean, forget it. I mean, the, a project that they're doing in six days would definitely take me at least six years, if not longer 
to accomplish the task. Well, I understand what you mean there. We, we, we're, we're in the process of thinking about getting some new flooring in the house. And my wife really wants to tackle it because she loves to do that kind of stuff. And she really wants to tackle it, the two of us. And I said, darling, we, you know, what, what, would, what would take us three months to do probably can take those people three days to do. You know, we, we got to pay for something to get done. We can't do everything ourselves. I'm, I'm wrestling with appliances all around the house nowadays. So it just seems like I, I don't want to fool with those things anymore. Don't forget, you can follow John Frisella on Twitter at LegendSport7. And John, you, I, I sniff some rankings coming out on your blog at JohnFrisellaBlogspot.com. I, I sniff some rankings coming out because you emailed some to me just in case we had a chance to get to them today in the show notes. Yes, you're absolutely right. So at this point now, as we're only down to two games, and then of course the Super Bowl following that, uh, it's time to start looking forward, right? We're going to do our regular coverage. We're going to talk about Tampa Bay and Green Bay. We're talking about Buffalo and Kansas City, all that good stuff. However, once we get done with this season with only three games remaining on the docket, we got to start looking forward and and preparing. One of the reasons why I want to start the rankings now is because it's a lot easier to plug the rookies in when you already have your prelim rankings in place. So that's my game plan here. So let's lay down what I have so far. Uh, maybe we'll get to it today. I did the AFC East and I did the AFC North, the first eight teams on the docket for this particular season. And uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I did every position. I did quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, kicker, defense. Um, and, you know, just so we can get the ball rolling and we can talk about where we're headed as we go forward in the future. Yeah, I'm kind of tired of talking about football, though, John, just to be honest with you. And when I went over to John Frisella Sports blog dot, uh, dot blogspot.com, when I went over there, the very first thing that hit me was a double feature article that you had about Citizen Kane and the movie Mank. That's correct. Yeah, so Mank came out uh, about a month ago on Netflix, and it was it's by David Fincher, who's a very famous director, talking about Fight Club, talking about Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Panic Room, the list goes seven. The, lift, the list goes on and on. He's very famous. He's very accomplished. Zodiac. Uh, so this was a movie that he made that his father wrote many years ago, and his father has passed since. So it was almost like a dedication to his dad and also kind of a dedication to a time gone by in the movies. So it's definitely awards bait, right? They're definitely looking to win an Oscar with this work. Um, it, it did some things that were interesting. It was in black and white. Um, but, it, you know, it, it was getting a lot of buzz on Netflix at the time when I wrote the review. So that's out there. And, you know, shout out to my uncle, Larry Frisella, a.k.a. Lawrence Frisella, who was a film critic for Rolling Stone, for Entertainment Weekly, for Us Weekly. So, he, you know, it does run in the family. We covered movies in the family. And I guess I'm just uh, keeping the tradition going here. I happened to have watched a movie this past week. I tried to watch the, uh, what was that movie you talked about? We had like Sylvester Stallone and all those guys in it with the uh, um, undroppables or, or. That's not, that's not me. That sounds like JB. Sounds like no. JB would recommend. Yeah, that's it wasn't I... undroppables. It was something else. I, I can't remember what, what it was called. I don't know. I can't remember that one, but it had a bunch of those Dolph Lundgrens and, and different people like that. And they were going and rescuing some girl off of some island or something like that. And, and I tried to watch it, and it was just too many one-liners and too many bangs and booms and, and, and a lot of potty talk. A lot of potty talk. I don't listen to yeah. a lot of potty talk, John. <laughs> the, but, uh, the Expendables, I, right? Is that what it was? The Expendables? Was. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Not not my cup of tea. I don't mind bang them up, shoot them up 
ups and stuff like that. But it was just like, all right, this I, I could watch. So I started watching a movie called Breach because, you know, I'm a good conspiracy theorist guy and all that stuff. And I like those yep. kind of movies. And yep. that that was a decent one. That was a decent movie. Uh, Chris Cooper, I think, was in it. I'm looking it up right now. And Ryan, Ryan Philippi. What's that guy's yes. name? Yep, you're absolutely right. My wife and I like that movie a lot. So once again, even though you're not a big movie guy, somehow we find that connection. Um, we've watched that. We probably watched that movie five or six times um, because there's a lot to it. You know, it's a cat and mouse game. It's a lot of mind games being played. Chris Cooper, as you said, is the star. Ryan Philippi, who was on the come up at the time. And actually, Ryan Philippi was in the news recently because there was a uh, spoiler alert. I'm about to give something away. There was a TV show that premiered called Big Sky, and Ryan Philippi was billed as the star of the show, and they killed him off in the first episode. So people, so it was a good, I thought that was a good idea. It was kind of like Psycho, you know, like very famous, of course, that Psycho, they killed off the main character 40 minutes into the movie and people were shocked at the movie theater and they've been talking about it ever since. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a good ploy. So Ryan Phillippe is in Breach. Very good movie, my friend. I, on a scale, I usually rank on a scale of one to 10. I would rank that as an 8.5 or a nine out of 10. That's a good movie. No, I, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed it. I uh, usually don't have that much time to sit down and watch an entire movie at one time. So I think I had to break it down into two parts. But I was I was very intrigued about what was going on. And that was a very young Ryan Phillippe, I think it was. It, it, he seemed very young. I don't know. He has those boyish good looks, so maybe he'll just stay young forever like a Brad Pitt or something. Yeah, but, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's interesting with this show that came out. You know, I always like to kind of see where these actors and actresses' careers have gone, right? Because you have people that are very much in the moment, right? Ryan Phillippe's moment, he was there with Freddie Prince Jr., who is not a thing anymore. He was there with Jennifer Love Hewitt, who's doing well now. She's on 911, the TV show, which is a huge hit on broadcast network. So that mm -hmm. that that is going okay for her. Sarah Michelle Geller was of that time period. She's not really a thing anymore. Um, so he was very much of that time. Um, one of the people that he dated at the time who was still a huge star was Reese Witherspoon. So you kind of like to see how those careers went from when they were the center of attention to where they are now. And to me, reading between the lines, it sounds like Ryan Phillippe's disappointed with the way that his career has gone, that it didn't continue at that level. So that's always sad to hear. And it's a, it's a tough profession. I always tip my cap to the actors and actresses because you're competing with thousands of people that have the same skill set as you. So it's just about, are you the right person for that role? And, you know, can they market you? in the role that it's in. So mm -hmm. it's a hard job. So, uh, you know, shout to Ryan Phillippe, hope things get better for him. Speaking of marketing. And as we transition into football here a little bit, because we do both love football. It just seems like football has been inundated. I, I could use a break from football. So I love talking about these different things here. Uh, Larry King has passed away this morning, uh, or at least that's when we got the news. Larry King has passed away. I would love to get your thoughts about him. Of course, he's been a television icon forever and just one of those staples uh, that has been around in an interviewing sense. I can't remember. Was it CNN that he was interviewing for? Is that who he worked with? Yep, CNN. He he was like one of the original talking heads. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? He was, he was considered a serious journalist, which is important when you're in that role. Um, and then that's how he kind of started off. But as time passed, as we all see now, right, even though Larry King was ahead of the trend, a lot of the news became entertainment stuff, right? So yes, he, he reported some of the news on his show, but it was a lot of interviews, right? And as time went on, it was more and more celebrities and people that he could put the microscope on. So he was definitely ahead of that trend because news has become exactly that. News is entertainment now. Uh, it's not really serious journalism, but he had the respect of that. And, and it's interesting what you say about icons, right? First of all, Hank Aaron passed yes. yesterday. So one of the all-time greats, 
um, a leader in, in the fight against racism as well. Um, and it, it's a really hard loss for the baseball community and sports at large. And then, of course, before that, if you want to make a parallel to Larry King, Alex Trebek from Jeopardy. This is another man who's a staple, right? Larry King was on almost every night, sometimes every night. Uh, Alex Trebek was on every night on Jeopardy. So it's a, between COVID and coronavirus and all this stuff we have to deal with, now you're losing these major icons. Larry King, absolutely one of them. Well-respected guy, well-liked guy. He will be missed. Same for Alex Trebek. And, of course, the same for the great Hank Aaron. Yeah, 2021 still blowing us, giving us a couple of body blows, you know, right now. We thought 2020 was going to be behind us and and all those things. And 2021 is coming out with a pretty big bang itself right now. And uh, speaking of bangs, your New York Jets, we have not talked since they hired the San Francisco 49er defensive coordinator. How about that for you? Woo! I am feeling good over here, man. I got to tell you, the Jets chat that I'm in with all the diehards that really know what they're talking about, for a while, it was it was named Jets Crew, right? That's what it used to be, which is pretty simple. Then it became Trevor Lawrence Crew, and that went down the tube, you know, because you could change the name on the chat. I know your phone is from 1997, but in the newer versions of the phones, when you have a group chat, you can title it whatever you want, right? So we changed it to Trevor Lawrence Crew. That didn't work. Then we changed it to anybody but Darnold, right? And then it got worse and worse. It was like, life is terrible. I hate football. It just kept getting worse and worse. And now it's back with, with Robert Saleh, who's here now as our new head coach. And, of course, Mike LaFleur in the bloodline there, Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, he's now the offensive coordinator of the team. We're feeling a lot better, and it's been restored. It's now back to Jets crew with a picture of the Jets logo. Everybody's optimistic. So we're feeling good. We're feeling good about this pair running the team as we go forward. Now, did, did I saw something, and I wasn't sure if it was true or not. I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. Adam Gase, did Adam Gase say something about Sam Darnold this week that was a little, you know, a, a blow to him and kind of throwing him under the bus? Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, they, they always nitpick Adam Gase. Uh, I would say that the comment was more like honest about what Sam Darnold does, which is, you know, you can't repeat the same mistakes over and over. He didn't quite say it in, in those words. But like I said last week on the show, you remember the story I told about J.P. Ricciardi, the general manager of the Blue Jays, when I met him at the Mets event. He said, look, we can tell these guys, I'm summarizing and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, we can tell these guys everything under the sun about the right way to play the game and the right thing to do in this situation. Once we let go of the reins and the ball is kicked off, right, if it's football, or that first pitch is thrown if it's baseball, we don't have any control over what they do. So you you might think you might put yourself in Adam Gaze's shoes. He probably sits there and looks at the film and goes, I had this guy prepared. How come when the game happens, the opposite is what's happening when we're under pressure? How come he's throwing a third interception now for the fifth time this year? And I said to him, specifically, don't do that. And then he does it. So I think that's where Adam Gaze is coming from, that he felt, for the most part, he had Sam Darnold prepared, and then the games would happen, and he would look prepared in the first quarter. The Jets had a good record in the first quarter. But then as the game went on, everything went off the rails. So I think that's the frustration for Adam Gaze. Well, uh, and I... I'm glad you got a new coach. I'm glad you have that all ironed out and you have got a good momentum. And he he was very coveted for many years uh, as a great defensive coordinator for the 49ers. And coming there, everybody wanted him. So you guys got somebody that everybody wanted. I, in hindsight, can see why the Bears, besides being cheap, that's just, uh, besides being cheap, 
and being married to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I could see why they didn't make that change halfway through. Maybe there was a little backroom discussion, and Chuck Pagano said, look, I'm hanging it up after this year. Uh, He retired, of course. We did get a new defensive coordinator. I've never heard of the man before, Sean DeSea. I think that that's his name. You might know a little bit more about him than I do. I've read some things about him, but I, I, you know, just he he was he was a part of Mark Mark Tressman's staff. That's all I need to say. Okay, he was part of Mark Tressman's staff, and that that's where I checked out. I said, oh, I don't even want to get invested in this guy. And uh, so whenever I see that, I see what the Bears were doing. They didn't make a change this off season. They're married to these guys for at least one more year. I think that's when contract situations start to expire. So. Uh, I'm glad you got that resolved for you anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's a tough situation for the Bears because you already know you're in trouble in that division until Aaron Rodgers retires, right? Let, let's get real. It's yes. We could talk about everything under the sun. We could talk about head coaches. We could talk about offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. When you got Aaron Rodgers, right, and we should really, you know, eventually we'll get into the game, but we should talk about the perspective. I think Aaron Rodgers is the second best quarterback in the history of the NFL behind Tom Brady. So I believe we have the two best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL playing in this game as they're heading toward retirement. So this is this is a historic game that we have tomorrow at 3.30 Eastern time, right? So you can talk about 3.05 Eastern time. We can talk about anything under the sun. When you got Rodgers in your division and you're the Bears and you know what you're talking about, you got to be thinking, how many moves do we really have to make to beat this guy? You know what I mean? Maybe we just stay status quo until this guy quits and hangs it up and we just kind of tread water and then that's when we jump and we take our opportunity which I think the Jets are doing now right there's a great example Tom Brady dominating the division for all those years they kind of hung back this offseason they didn't spend any money they let things just go I think the Bears are in the same situation just kind of waited out until things open up and you see what happened here the Bills took advantage of that in the AFC East they finally saw their opportunity they said okay we have our quarterback in place we have our head coach in place. Let's go and get this thing. Let's get Stephon Diggs. And now the Bills took over the, the division, right? So, And the same thing's going to happen there for the Bears. So I, it's, uh, it's tough. It's a tough situation for Chicago. I totally understand if they want to tread water for one or two more years or something like that. Speaking of that, we were talking about our win-loss totals and and team kind of summarizing things from last year. And the next one actually on the list is the Packers, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Vegas had them slated for nine victories last year. I said they'd win eight. They ended up winning 13 games, John. That Packer team was unstoppable this year. Heading into next year, there's some free agent concerns that I see that could cause a little bit of problems and give the Bears help. Uh, hope. Kevin King. He's going to be a free agent next year. Also, um, uh, who, oh, what's his name? Jamal Williams, Alan Lazard, Tanyan, and Aaron Rodgers are all going to be free agents next year. They're going to have to make some big offseason decisions to be able who, to figure out who they're going to bring back and who they're not. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question that Jamal Williams is gone, right? I mean, he's a, he's a good player. He's He's one of the best backup running backs in the league. If you give him the ball in between the tackles, he runs a lot harder than you think. Right. If you if you backtrack and you go backwards through time, a lot of us talked about Jamal Williams as that change of pace from Aaron Jones, that guy you could dump it off to on third down. That's not true. If you've been watching the way Green Bay is running the ball and if you noticed they reintroduced A.J. Dillon this past week and said, we got to get this kid involved as well. And what they're doing basically is keeping all the running backs healthy and keeping them fresh, which is a strategy that the 49ers used last year to go very far into the playoffs. Keep those guys fresh, bounce them in and out. Those running backs got to have the clean legs so we don't have anybody getting tired as we get down to the wire. 
So I like what Green Bay is doing, but back to what you said, Jamal Williams is gone because you can't pay all three, and that's why they drafted Dylan in the first place. If they decide they're going to plant their flag on Aaron Jones, which is a good idea, Aaron Jones one of the best players in the NFL, so you're going to plant your flag on that, then you're going to have your backup, who's the guy you drafted, A.J. Dillon. That means Jamal Williams is going to go somewhere else, and that's the type of guy that with 32 teams, I would think he could get a starting job somewhere. See, I, I disagree with you. I think that they're going to let Aaron Jones go. Uh, he's going to de- he's going to demand a high, high, high salary. And I think they love Jamal Williams there in Green Bay. And that's what I've been thinking all year long. Kevin Tompkins was on the program with JB and I the other day, and I asked him that very question about Aaron Jones or or Jamal Williams, and he said that he thought Aaron Jones was going to be gone as well. I think he's going to be a coveted free agent this season and Jamal Williams is going to kind of be the odd man out and I think he's going to stick around in Green Bay that's my own personal decision to me that that king free agency guy he's going to be the one that's going to be sorely missed if he goes I I don't think King is staying I I consider him gone because I know they have to keep the contracts going on some of the big names so with that with that in mind and King is is probably in their top four or five defensive players that he's right on the borderline obviously they have some superstars right they have Smith and they have Alexander, so he's on the borderline of their top four or five defenders. But you have to make choices somewhere. And at the end of the day, you don't win games with the with individual defensive players when you have Aaron Rodgers on your roster, right? If Aaron yep. Rodgers is on your team, you're not winning it with individual defensive players. If the game is tied at the end of the game, you're going to put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, and you're going to say, "Hey, you got to win it for us, not the defense." That's just the way it goes when you're Green Bay. We talk about biases and stuff. I had I had the Packers winning eight games, John. You know, <laughs> just yeah. I, I see that smirk on Aaron Rodgers' face, and I'm just like, that's two losses right there, man. I'm just I'm knocking two losses off of you just because you're so cocky, my friend. So yeah, hey, well, that, that's not even that doesn't even make sense because you're mostly biased against your own team, but then again, at the same time, you're biased against them and Minnesota. If you think about it, you you were all over Minnesota being terrible. They were average. They're an average team. Uh, and then you're all over the Packers, and you're all over the Bears. So basically, anybody in that division is terrible by your standards. I know. Well, it's not that they're terrible. I, I don't like the Packers, and really, I thought the Minnesota Vikings. I thought that secondary was going to get torched a little bit more than they were missing Stephon Diggs. I just didn't trust uh, jo- uh, Jefferson being able to step into those roles and be able to fill it as well as he did. I was wrong on that one. The Arizona Cardinals, though, I was almost right on point on that. The Cardinals were slated by Vegas to win seven and a half games. Mm-hmm. I said they win nine, and they actually won. Eight games, John, and they've got several free agent concerns. Patrick Peterson, Larry Fitzgerald. I'd imagine Larry Fitzgerald's going to end up hanging it up. Kenya Drake is going to end up being a free agent this season, um, at the end of this season. Drake Kirkpatrick is another one. Lots of changes, it sounds like. Those are big names, and I think that they're going to find new homes. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think Peterson is gone. I think Peterson goes to a team that he thinks can win the Super Bowl, takes a little bit of a pay cut and uh, tries to get his his ring. So I And it'll be a team that needs him as their cornerback three or four, right? Not necessarily as a full-time starter. Yes, you're going to play him in the nickel packages and your five-man and that type of stuff, but I don't think you're going to see him as a number one type corner. He's going to go to a better team and try to get his title. So he's gone. Kenyon Drake is definitely gone because he's a name player, and he's getting to a stature now in terms of veteran status in the league. Not that he's a great player. But he's a name player and he's a veteran, which means there's one or two teams out of those 32 that are going to pony up for him and say, okay, we'll give him a two, three-year deal, make him our guy. So Chase Edmonds played well, so they're not too worried about that. Of course, at the running back position, you can always add random guys that will give you production 
right? We can back quickly through it like a Raheem Mostert who mm. came out of nowhere and turned out to be very productive for the 49ers. The two guys that the Jets picked up, Ty Johnson and Josh Adams, they came out of nowhere. They played better than the starters, right? So you can always plug guys in at the running back position. So he's gone. Those are the two guys I agree, and you're probably right. Fitz is getting toward the end. So Peterson and Drake are gone for the Cardinals. The Rams, your Los Angeles Rams, uh, were slated to win eight games by Vegas. I said seven. They actually won 10, John. They exceeded a lot of expectations. Not yours, though, because you had them going all the way to the Super Bowl. They could. They almost made it. Almost made it. Ran into that Green Bay Packer machine in Green Bay. Their offseason decisions, Leonard Floyd, he's going to end up being gone. Malcolm Brown, Gerald Everett, Blake Bortles is a free agent, and Josh Reynolds as well. Uh, not they're they're in pretty good shape. They actually have one of the shorter uh, contract lists going into next year that that I see here. So that's a good that's a good deal for them. Yeah, Malcolm Brown's going to go because you have the two running backs already under contract yeah. that are young guys, uh, right? So that's Cam Akers, uh, the rookie, will be going into his sophomore season, and then Daryl Henderson, who's a solid player. So that'll do it for Malcolm Brown, and I think that's probably better for him because he was operating as the third running back here. And in my opinion, he's in the top 64 running backs in the NFL. So he should be getting paid as a primary backup running back in this league. So he'll get a promotion somewhere else. And of course, when we have so many injuries at the running back position, he'll get his opportunities to start certain games as well on wherever he lands. So I definitely think Malcolm Brown is out of the picture there. That's good for us as fantasy owners, just to be able to add some clarity to that backfield a little bit more. And, and I, I will welcome being able to identify Cam Akers as the number one back next year in that uh, Los Angeles Rams system. This year was very confusing. They just kept going up and down, and maybe they were saving Cam Akers until the end. I know there was a lot of injuries. It was just kind of a revolving door there. But uh, that, that I'll, be, I'll be glad to have some clarification there. The New England Patriots. Vegas thought they were going to win nine and a half. I said nine, and they actually won seven games. I think at the end there, maybe it was a little bit of a situation where they just didn't give the entire effort that maybe they could have before. But now, look at, listen to this. Listen to their list. Jason McCourty, James White, right? Uh, Rex Burkhead, uh, Cam Newton, Damian Bird. And I guess that's really about it. Nick Folk, Brian Hoyer is going to be a free agent, John. He's going to go somewhere and make somebody a very good third-string quarterback. Uh, that's that's about it, though, so that's not too bad of a list. Yeah, I mean, James White is not really a big deal because, remember, they're going to be coming back with two guys they already still have under contract. Um, I'm not 100% sure about Damian Harris's injury situation. He is on my list that I started making with the AFC East and the AFC North for next year. And I got to tell you, I had Damian Harris as the third running back. Number three ranked out of the first two divisions. Wow. I had Nick Chubb as number one, and I had J.K. Dobbins as number two going into next year, and I had Damian Harris as number three. So if he's okay to come back, uh, I like the way they they leaned on him, and they ran the ball through him, and they played a power offense. And then, of course, you have Sony Michelle, and then, of course, you got Rex Burkhead, right? I, I don't believe he's on the free agent list. So if you have all three of those guys, you're not going to need a James White. So he's going to walk. But the story, right, above everything else, it's a great story. I love it. What will the Patriots do at the quarterback position? This last offseason, it was interesting, right? At the beginning, there were those people that really believed that Bill Belichick was a miracle worker. So the, I remember getting in an argument on Twitter with somebody who was telling me that Jared Stidham was going to be the next Tom Brady just because Bill Belichick and McDaniels were the coaches. And I laughed that guy off of Twitter. I, I had to bury him in the ground because it's <laughs> you learned your lesson, right? I don't remember who it was. If I had the Twitter handle, I would throw it in his face right now. But I told them, right, and that only lasted a week. 
because a week later, Cam Newton was the quarterback. So he didn't even make it as a starter on that team. And we learned you can't work miracles this season. We'll look back on this historically as the year that all the people that said, oh, you got to build a strong team and, oh, you need the head coach. This is the year we're going to say, hey, remember when Tom Brady went to the Bucks and the Bucks stunk and then they made it to the Final Four? And remember when Tom Brady left the Patriots and they were went to the Super Bowl every year and then they stunk? Well, that told you at the end of the day, all that matters is having a franchise quarterback. Yeah, and that's really a, a, an interesting story when you look back at it because Cam Newton – wanted to play somewhere. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He couldn't find a home. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the New England Patriots took that shot on him. He started out pretty good. But then we saw all those inefficiencies that he had at quarterback being exploited week in and week out with the lack of arm strength, with the lack of decision abilities. He could still do the things that he could do. It almost reminds me, though, that like maybe Cam Newton would be better served being a tight end at this point in his career than a quarterback. I don't know what your feelings are. I can't see Cam Newton being a starter again for a team next season. No, there's no, there's no chance Cam Newton to be a starter. No, he can't be a tight end. I mean, you really are a maniac. You're going to put a guy who's taken a beating in his career at the quarterback position. The guy, he's a warrior as much as people don't like him. And he does, he wears ridiculous clothes and he says ridiculous things in the media. He has taken a beating at the quarterback position. He yeah. put his body on the line for his teammates. You want to put him at tight end yeah. where he's got to block and take yeah. hits over the middle? You're a crazy to, man. He doesn't have to block. He doesn't have to block to be a tight end. Uh, look, at, look at Jimmy Graham. He doesn't block, and he's a tight end. Uh, look, at, But look at the success of Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas has transitioned himself into being what next year somebody's going to draft him at least – top eight, if not top five in fantasy draft rooms next season, just because of the amount of targets that he got. Uh, Look, I'm not saying Cam Newton will be a tight end, but I'm just saying if he wants to stick around the NFL, it's not going to be at quarterback. It's got to be at some kind of different position. Maybe, maybe he could be like a Cordero Patterson kind of guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, he could be like a Taysom Hill kind of guy. I think that's better, right? That's a better comparison. Somebody who is your backup quarterback, but then you're, you're putting him in different packages even when he's not playing in that particular game. You know what I mean? He could be like a Taysom Hill. I I envisioned him as the type of backup quarterback for whatever team gets fields in the draft, right? So wherever fields goes, he's a running quarterback, probably will be the second or third quarterback taken in the draft this year. I would want a guy like Cam Newton who has experience playing that role at the NFL level who will be available as a backup quarterback to come in and teach my kid the ropes. So that was my vision for Cam Newton is he'll definitely stick around as a backup because he has the knowledge of the position and he's seen the game from different angles. This year he learned how to be a pocket quarterback with the Patriots. Not a good one, but he learned how to do it the right way. He doesn't have the skills to do it at this point in his career, but that's what I saw for him is is a backup for a Fields or another young quarterback, maybe a backup for a Kyler Murray, right? That type of guy. That's what I see for Newton. The thing that we learned about Cam Newton, I think more than anything this year, was how good of a clubhouse guy he was, mm-hmm. how good an organization loved him, because I don't think that was smoke coming out of the New England Patriots system. Uh, mm-hmm. All you heard was how good he was for that franchise and how he was there, how he knew everybody's name in the facility. And I think you're right that it would make sense to bring a young quarterback or bring him into a young quarterback situation and allow him to teach the quarterback how to live NFL quarterback everyday life 
right? Because you have to. They they have to put a, the attention into it. They have to get everybody's confidence in them. They have to be able to instill that kind of leadership uh, beyond more so than what some other quarterbacks we've seen fail in the league do. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Taysom Hill, right? Mm-hmm. Where did how did Taysom Hill come into the league? How did he come into the league? Yeah, what, Sean Payton drafted him and thought that he had potential. At uh, what position? He was a quarterback. What, what what position was he like in fantasy stuff last year and everything? Wide receiver and tight end. Oh, okay, I'm just I just wanted to make sure we yeah, understood I mean, that, that with that no, Cam Newton reference of tight end. Yeah, this just point doesn't make any sense. Cam Newton is an old man. You can't you can't put an old man's body on the line like that. He's got what? a family. You, you what if what, what if Taysom Hill really has revolutionized that that uh, a position though, and people start looking to put people into that position more so? You know, Cordero Patterson is that guy who's kind of a jack of all trades, but Taysom Hill took it to a whole nother level where he's able to play quarterback. He's he lines up at tight end. He's catching passes. He's he's running it in. He's throwing passes. What if what if the, that does transition into that kind of uh, position in the NFL? I, I think that that's kind of exciting to think about my, myself. Yeah, it's almost like the second incarnation of the Wildcat, right? It's not quite the Wildcat because you're getting an actual quarterback, right? When we saw the Wildcat era, say, 10 years ago, right, there were a lot of running backs taking the snaps. I remember the Dolphins did a lot of it. The running back would take the snap and maybe they'd do an option play or an inside handoff fake and hold on to it. Or the running back would take the, the snap and do a student body right. Everybody would go out to the right and follow the blockers. Now it's like a wildcat with an actual quarterback who comes in and out of the game, so you can't really prepare for it. Uh, credit Sean Payton, right? This was his brainchild the whole time. I remind you, Chris Collins, where it said on the air uh, in a game this year that they did an interview with Sean Payton before a game a few years ago, and he was saying what his plan was for Taysom Hill already. And Chris Collinsworth was like, can we just talk about Drew Brees? Can we talk about Michael Thomas? Why are you telling me about Taysom Hill? Basically is what he said. But he had this vision for him in advance, and and it certainly worked out. And he made a stock, and he made a name for Taysom Hill. I do agree with you. Usually teams, if there's 32, usually six, seven, or eight are going to copycat some of the better ideas. I can tell you that one of the copycats has been using multiple running backs. That was really the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. That was their thing. Now the Packers do it. Now the Rams do it, right? Now yeah. you're going to see people doing what Taysom Hill was doing it with Sean Payton and the Saints. The Eagles did it with Jalen Hurts until they benched Carson Wentz. They were doing it. Cordero Patterson, not really a quarterback, but the Bears were doing it. So you're right. You're going to see some copycatting going on. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers faced the Green Bay Packers this weekend. And this leads us into a good way to digress into one other topic here that I wanted to cover with you mm-hmm. because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the New Orleans Saints last last week, and that ended up being Drew Brees' final game in the NFL. So we had two legendary quarterbacks hang up the cleats this past week with Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers going out on top. I want to say on top of their profession. Both of them played pretty well this year. I know they had their inabilities. I know those things, their shoulders and all those things. But, man, they were still playing the game at a very high level, John. What do you think about Hall of Fame talk? I know Drew Brees has his ticket already punched. But right. Philip Rivers, uh, are you one of those guys who says you cannot not put Philip Rivers into the Hall of Fame because he is part of the NFL's story? Right. He 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 is one of those guys. He may not have all the great stats. He may not have had that Super Bowl championship all the time and everything. But you cannot tell the NFL story without including Philip Rivers. Where do you side on all that? 
Oh, I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. I mean, they think about all the things that you need in a franchise quarterback, right? I've been thinking a lot about Phillip Rivers, of course, as he comes to the end of his career. First of all, how about the durability, right? This guy has come yeah. to play. He, he was drafted the same time as Eli Manning, right? Eli Manning's already was already gone, and Phillip Rivers stuck around a little bit longer. Every year coming to play, right? Every year coming with the tenacity, right? He's a tenacious guy. He's a leader. He knows the position inside and out. Never had a particularly strong arm, right? He always kind of short-armed the ball, but he always found a way to get it there. Was never mobile, couldn't scramble, right? And yet his team was always in the mix. Uh, he always put his team in the position to win. Did they always get there? No, they didn't. Does he have the playoff pedigree? No. But talk about the stats. I mean, you're not you're wrong about the stats. He's fifth all time in passing yards. Yeah. Talk about Drew Brees is number one, Tom Brady number two, Peyton Manning number three, Brett Favre number four, and Philip Rivers number five. So, so that first group is no brainers, right? Brees, Brady, Manning, Favre. Philip Rivers has got to be in the Hall of Fame. Longevity, uh, stays healthy, plays for you every week, never takes a week off, puts up the stats. And listen, how many times did the Chargers have to fire their head coach? You know what I mean? So if you're talking about Hall of Fame ballot, it's not, Phillip Rivers wasn't the problem. He kept, he always came to play and played pretty consistently. But there was a lot of times they blew games with bad decision-making. They probably fired the coach seven times while he was the quarterback, right? And that's not on him because he stayed in the quarter, and the head coaches didn't survive it. So I'd say no-brainer Phillip Rivers is in there. Obviously, Drew Brees is in there. Um, the real question for you, my friend, is where does Drew Brees rank being that once again comes up short in the playoffs – once again, I called it multiple interception game in the biggest game of the season, in the biggest game of his career, really. He had a multiple interception game this week. Where does Drew Brees rank on the all-time list of quarterbacks now that it's all over? What do you think? The thing that perplexes me about Drew Brees, mm -hmm. I didn't tune in to watch him. You know, it, it wasn't like I had to sit down and, and oh, Drew Brees is playing this week. I got to watch Drew Brees. He, he was just always the guy who got it done in the regular season. Mm -hmm. He was always the guy that you knew from uh, an NFL standpoint, he was going to be able to lead his team down the field multiple times. I think mostly because him and Sean Payton just had a great relationship together and they understood the ins and outs of that offense so well, so, so well. That's one of the things I see. It kind of reminds me of a Payton Manning where – and even a Philip Rivers or even a Tom Brady, where they've seen this a million times and they know what's happening. Drew Brees, where does he rank? Ah, oh, man, that's a tough question because I just I never got excited to watch him. And you know I'm an emotional guy, so I, I I'd rather watch Dan Fouts than Drew Brees, and that's not even a comparison because Drew Brees is so much better than he is. I gotta put him up there at the top just simply because when you look at his numbers, the numbers blow so many people's away. So I, I gotta put him up there at the top. But as far as excitability goes, I could give you probably 20 names I'd rather watch than him. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't want to knock him for being steady. And that's, right. something, that's something that happens to a lot of players at a lot of positions, not just Drew Brees at the quarterback position, right? When you are slow and steady wins the race, you get left behind in the dust as far as the people giving you attention, right? You that, that was Drew Brees, Mr. Consistency. You know what you're going to get. Nothing too flashy. Going to get the job done. Going to be smarter than everybody else. Credit Drew Brees above everything else for getting the most out of his stature. Right? Talk about, again, like Phillip Rivers, not the strongest arm, even smaller than, than Philip Rivers. Yeah. But he's got the big brain. He's got the preparation. 
He's got the professionalism. So all those things, they check the boxes. However, go ahead. You, what do you want to say? No, no. Go. However, I like that. Go ahead. Yeah. However, when you get to the playoffs and you've already proven that you can win time and time again during the regular season, you can't then reverse and make excuses that, and I'm not talking about Drew Brees. Drew Brees doesn't make the excuses. I'm talking about the fans and the people that stick up for him when they rank him all time. You can't then go and lean on his deficiencies in the playoffs and say, well, he doesn't have that strong of an arm or the team wasn't prepared or Sean Payton got out coached or the defense didn't play well. That's what the Saints fans do. And that's what the old Chargers fans did when they talk about why he didn't do well in the playoffs. At the end of the day, if you can beat the same teams in the regular season and you could shut out the Bucks and demolish them, you can't tell me that it's not partially the quarterback's fault when he throws three interceptions against the same team in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So that's my problem with Drew Brees. I respect him up and down the wall. No, no issues with that. He's maximized his talent. He's a legend without a doubt. But when I look at that all-time list and I say, wait a minute, Obviously, Tom Brady's number one, right? Like I said, for me, I hope Aaron Rodgers gets this Super Bowl so I so people won't attack me on this. I think Aaron Rodgers is number two because I can't think of a game where Aaron Rodgers was the reason why his team lost in the playoffs. But I can think of a number of games where Drew Brees was the reason. I can think of a number of games where Peyton Manning was the reason. He had a lot of years where he choked in the playoffs. I can think of a number of years where Brett Favre was the reason with a ton of interceptions. So that that's easy for me to figure out. But when I think about the Packers falling short, I think about their defense giving up 40 points. How many times have we seen that in the playoffs mm -hmm. where they just totally choked on defense? Aaron Rodgers did everything he could, and he couldn't get there. So that's my problem with Breezes. I can blame him for their losses in the playoffs. And it's been many years where they came up short. So I, I don't know. I don't know if he's in the top five for me. For the stats, he definitely is. But when I go back and make my list, maybe I'll do that after our show today. I don't think he's going to be in the top five for me. Well, and it's the excitability factor. I, I was As you were talking a little bit there, I was, I was thinking even of a Peyton Manning. And, man, I'd rather watch Peyton Manning than Drew Brees. I'd rather watch Eli Manning play quarterback than Drew Brees. You know, it's just I, I can't get geeked up to watch Drew Brees play quarterback. But I will be geeked up to watch these two guys play quarterback on Sunday. The old guard. Let's start with this game first, Johnny, because it's the first game on the slate. It starts at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. I know that's the talk. But to me, one of the main reasons both of these teams are at this position is because of that defensive backfield. The, they're playing lights out right now. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very challenging for both of these quarterbacks to be able to move the ball down the field because both of these defenses, I think, are playing at a high level. This game started out at 51 points. It's moved up to 52-point game total, but the Packers have consistently, all week long, stayed at a three-and-a-half-point favorite. John, what are you thinking about this game? We got to watch out for what we talked about last week, which is comparative shell shock, right? That's my phrase for it. I think when you're a Green Bay, right, defense, and you just played against the Rams offense, which was probably the worst in the playoffs, it's going to be a little bit different when you go against Tom Brady and the boys, right? Conversely, you look at the Bucks. When you go against Drew Brees' arm strength, which, of course, was his final game of, the, of his career, he didn't have much on the ball. Anybody go back and watch that film. That ball was floating in there, and Tampa Bay was making plays on the ball. And then you go against Aaron Rodgers, who, yeah, he's getting toward the end of his career, but he's still throwing rockets. He's still in the top five in, in velocity and arm strength. 
So I think with these two teams going against difficult situations, I think that explains why that over-under just went up a point from 51 to 52. Now on the flip side, it's 77% on the over. So where you why, why don't you tell me where are you – because that's tough. When the line goes up and it's 77% on the over, now we're in that in-between zone. Where are you leaning, my friend? Yeah, maybe it has a little bit to do with other circumstances. Maybe the weather's not as challenging as people thought it was going to be. But I, I, I want to say that these guys will keep it. Uh, it's a championship game. It's certainly not going to get to 60s, right? They're mm-hmm. not going to be in the 30s or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Can I see both of those teams, though, being in the mid-20s? I could, but it's a championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's pucker-up time. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those times where no matter how much you prepared, these defenses, these defensive coordinators are so experienced at being able to exploit those weaknesses. I don't care what quarterback it is. I, I'm going to end up taking the under in this game just simply because it's gone up a little bit. I could almost see it going up another point just because the public is so much on that over. So mm-hmm. I would want to take the under in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the smart play. I'm going to tell you where I'm at. For the whole week. Without, I don't look, right? I don't like to look at the lines until we do the show because you're getting too much information early in the week that's going to lead you down the wrong path. So I like to wait until we get a little bit closer to kickoff. So the whole week in my mind, without looking at the line, I was getting a gut feeling based off the switches in the matchups, right? Like I just talked about, comparative yeah. shell shock. It's going to be a lot more difficult for these defenses to get stops. So my natural inclination was to lean on the over, but that's 77% a high number. And I, like you said, by the time we get to the kickoff, would I be surprised if it was 80% on the over? No, I would not be surprised. So it, this is a really tough one. Uh, my, for now, I'm going to go with my gut instinct. I can't really book my pick because I am going to wait for in my pool that I'm in, with that, which has 37 people in it. I'm in second place right now. So I'm going to wait until right before the kickoff to get those final numbers to make my choice. Right now, I'm still going to lean on my gut feeling, which was these defenses are going to struggle a little bit more than last week. So I'm going to lean just a little bit on the over, but I understand why that's risky. Now, it also has a buy pick, and we talk about that buy pick often. So in my thoughts, as we've gone through this year, Sports Insights is saying, hey, we know this outcome really easy. The Green Bay Packers are favored by three and a half points. I think in a championship game, it's going to be hard to cover any spread like that. And I can't see Tom Brady just getting run over this week. Like maybe we've seen a couple of different times in the past. And of course, earlier this year, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just ran all over Aaron Rodgers after he had that little celebratory uh, wiggle or whatever it was that he did in the end zone earlier this year. And then everything just went South. Mm -hmm. Um, I, so I can't see how Tampa Bay can get run all over like this. I think their buy pick would be they're They're on Tampa Bay side. I would say that's true, and I would say all of us are on the same page. I would say you and I are on the same page in Sports Insights. Um, Just the fact that I'm getting the points there. And I want to say, some storylines from the beginning of the season disappear, right? We I don't forget, and you don't forget, right? We I talked do. about the Bucks early on as the second-best defense behind the Steelers, mm. and that lasted for about six games, which is not a bad run. That's a pretty good run. They look pretty impressive. On the defensive side, then you kind of hit a lull, right? Things happen. You get in up and down games. Guys get injured. Guys get tired. Guys get COVID, whatever. And now they're starting to get that second wind. You saw it. I mean, yeah. I tweeted about it and it got a lot of traction. Devin White is a monster. I was texting with, with JB about this as well. I mean, this guy looked like the best defensive player in the league 
not the best defensive player in that game at that time. He looked like a defensive lineman playing linebacker, playing cornerback. That's what he looked like. He was as big as a defensive lineman playing his real position at linebacker, covering guys one-on-one like a cornerback, making interceptions, forcing fumbles. So, you know, when you have a guy like that leading in Levante David, of course, a legend, a Hall of Famer for the Tampa Bay Bucks, um, you got to watch out for that defense. So getting the points, and with that defense, I, I'm talking about when things get tight and we're worried about the spread, right? The over-under is going to be close to 51, 52. There's not going to be any shutouts going on here. But I'm saying when we need to win this spread and we need to stop, I think maybe Tampa Bay's guys are going to get you that stop, and you're getting that three and a half points. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Yeah, whenever I saw White running around out there, and that's what it was. He was out there with wide receivers and and playing the cornerback position. He reminded he looked like Shaquille O'Neal out there. Is yep. what he looked like. He was just so big compared to everybody else that was surrounding him. And then he was flying all around like like a young Shaq was. And I was going, who in the world? This guy is huge. But really, if he was, he's just a normal sized linebacker. But just where he was playing, he looked very very big, John. So that was the best defensive performance of the season. Not no one has played a game like that all year. So what's the narrative going to be after this game? Let's say Tom Brady wins. What's the narrative going to be after this game leading up to the Super Bowl if Brady wins? I mean, it depends on who comes out of the AFC, right? But, I mean, can you imagine how happy the league would be, the NFL? Either way, the NFL wants the Chiefs to come out of the other game, right? And they want Mahomes to come out of that game unscathed. No offense to Josh Allen, but he's the fourth man on this list. And you talk about marketing when you got two weeks to market the Super Bowl, right? You're going to market Tom Brady number one because he's the closest to retiring. So the league would love to see Tom Brady, the old legend, versus Pat Mahomes, the young megastar in the Super Bowl. They would love to see that. Will they be disappointed if it's Aaron Rodgers? No. They're going to be fine either way with the NFC. Um, so it's Brady and Rodgers. They're good there in marketability. But they don't want Josh Allen coming out of the AFC. So just keep that in mind when you start making your bets this weekend, right? They want Mahomes in there against one of these old legends. That's part number one. What's the narrative going to be if the Bucs come away with this game? Look, I think the Packers are going to win it, and I think you're right. I think this spread is right where it's supposed to be. This feels like the one out of the two that's going to be on the line, which we talk about every week. So I think the Green Bay Packers are going to win this game by three. But if Tampa Bay comes out of it, how could the narrative not be the whole time it was Tom Brady and it wasn't Belichick? That's got to be the narrative that going into the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's proven that he can you can just move him to another team that only won seven games and he could take you to the Super Bowl at 43 years old, right? So that's got to be the narrative if they win it, that Brady's the key and the coach is not that important. That's what I think. You know, you think about it, and I, I'm going through my head, and I know Patrick Mahomes is an anomaly, and I'm sure there's other ones that I'm not thinking of right now. But in my head, I think of this this just looking like a John Elway winning his Super Bowl years, a Peyton Manning winning his Super Bowl for the Denver Bronco kind of years. And whenever I see these two OGs playing quarterback in this game, it's going to be really hard for me to pick against them at the next game because I think whoever wins the Buffalo-Kansas City game, John, uh, they're going to be behind that defensive curtain, right? They are not curtain, but just that defensive eight ball. They they don't have the defense like these other two teams have. And so when we talk about the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, this one is the two young quarterbacks. Of course, this game has gone up from fifty point spread or from fifty point total all the way up to fifty four and a half. Probably because of the Patrick Mahomes news, and Kansas City was favored by two and a half to start the week. It's bounced up to three and a half as well. 
are you thinking that whichever one of these teams win, they're going to end up losing in the Super Bowl? Not if Pat Mahomes is healthy, right? Okay. My 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 belief is no one can beat the Chiefs until I see the Chiefs lose in a playoff game. And so far, so far, so good. I mean, but by the way, don't sleep on that defense because every time they need to get a stop, they get it, right? Think think about it. Backtrack to the playoffs last year all the way through to now, okay? The first half against the Texans last year when they were down by four touchdowns. The defense was asleep. The second half was a shutout, and they allowed the Chiefs to come back and score. Not that that was a good performance, but when they needed the stops, they got them every single time, and they got out of that game, okay? Same thing against Tennessee last year. They fell behind by 10 points against Tennessee. Second half comes around. They got every stop they needed to get, and they allowed the Chiefs' offense to win that game for them. Super Bowl, they fall behind. The end of the game comes around. They can't afford to let the 49ers score anymore, or they're going to lose. They get the two stops at the end that allow them enough time to score. Last week, Mahomes goes out of the game. Everybody says they're done. They're doomed. The Browns have the ball. This is Baker Mayfield's moment. Three and out. Stopped by the Chiefs. So don't sleep on them when they need to get a stop. Over the course of the game, they struggle. We agree on that. I do think this game might hit the over. It went four and a half points up from 50 to 54 and a half. So I think they are going to struggle for the first three quarters. But at the end of the game, when they need to get the stop, and then they hand the ball off to Mahomes and say, okay, it's your time to get it done for us. I don't see anybody that can stop them. So if Mahomes is healthy, I still have the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I picked it before the year, and I'm not going to change my mind now. So you're uh, so. Are you going to give Buffalo any chance at beating Kansas City this week at playing that underdog role that they just have excelled at? They're not getting any credit. They're being overlooked, and that's exactly what the Buffalo Bills want to have happening going into this game. Because man, they love to come out mad. They love to come out angry. They love to get everything all riled up. They'll be jumping through tables on the sidelines themselves just to get pumped up and try to intimidate this Kansas City Chief team. But uh, maybe the Kansas City Chiefs are just too good, John. Yeah, but let me remind you. Yeah, they are. Yes, Kansas City Chiefs are too good. Of course, if something happens to Mahomes, if Mahomes takes one hit in the first quarter, Kansas City's not going to mortgage their future. They're going to say, okay, well, we're going to put Chad Henney in, and we're going to hand the ball off, uh, and we're just going to see if we can hold it close and win it on a field goal with Buckers having mental problems right now, right? So yeah. that's the one out. That's the one out for Buffalo is if they, they get a good shot on Mahomes early, which of course they wouldn't do on purpose, but could always happen. You could just shove the quarterback and he could bang his head against the floor. We've seen that a hundred times. So that, you know, anything could happen like that. That's the out for Buffalo. But let me remind you of this Buffalo very nearly blew a big lead against the Colts and lost that game. That was very close to slipping mm -hmm. out of their hands. And that was the first round of the playoffs. And let me remind you of this. Buffalo led last year 16-0 against the Texans in the playoffs and lost that game 17-16. to So this Buffalo team, yes, they're getting by. They're squeaking by. They did a real good job against Baltimore. But then again, that game was also tied 33 at halftime. So all the things we think we know about Buffalo and that they're proving people wrong, they're doing just enough. So we tip, their, we tip our cap for them to winning the games. Good job. You won the games. But it was not convincing, and I'm not convinced. So if Mahomes comes out of this healthy, I think this is a no-brainer. I I cannot believe it's only 46% on the Chiefs. You're talking about free money here, guys, guys and girls. So if it stays 46, I don't care what the line is. Get that money down on the Chiefs. You know, I, I don't want to say that if Patrick Mahomes 
isn't able to move around because of that toe injury that he has. And he was gimping around a little bit on there. Of course, my teenage daughter's got a little crush on Patrick Mahomes, right? So I'm I'm sitting there on the sofa watching it, and I'm going, oh, drama queen, you know, stuff like that. It's just to try to give my daughter a little bit of a hard time. But if he is injured, if his toe is a little bit affected, I, I don't think that scares me be- away from him being a good quarterback in this game. I almost want to say that could make him play a little bit better because he will have to read the defense. He will have to be a pocket quarterback, and that may force him to actually throw the ball instead of trying to create a play. I almost like him in the in the pocket a little bit better than I like him roaming around, and that's me thinking crazy thoughts again, I'm sure. No, it's not that it's crazy thoughts. It, first of all, you're 100% right about something here. And uh, shout out, I'm, I'm about to put somebody on blast. Shout out to my one of my best friends, one of my groomsmen, Frankie. Right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack. This has a lot to do with the playoffs here. I'm about to tomorrow watch this game. That's how important this game is to me. I'm a Jets fan. I got nothing in Tampa Bay, nothing in Green Bay. But this is a historic game in the history of the NFL. And if we're real NFL football fans and we really are into it the way that we say we are, this is a game that we should remember forever. Uh, it's a historic time in in history just in general with COVID and everything. But I'm about to go and watch this game outside at my boy Billy's house tomorrow because of COVID. Of course, my wife is pregnant. We're not getting together in large groups. The numbers are through the roof here in New York. So we're being very careful. We're going to watch it outside with the masks on at his TV. And it's about to be 30 degrees. And I'm going to go out there and watch the game. And I don't know if Frankie's going to make it. So I'm putting Frankie on blast right right now. I'm telling him, you better be there tomorrow, my friend. I know you're listening to the show. And related to that, Right in this particular game, what he said about Mahomes was that was the Chiefs' fault that he got injured, that they ran that option play and he took that hit. Right, so that goes to what you just said, Wes. Frankie agrees with you. He said they shouldn't be running plays like that with him, where he might decide to run the ball and take a shot like that. So I think all three of us are in agreement on that. I I don't think he really should be. The only time Mahomes should be running is when he runs when the play breaks down and he goes out of bounds. So I think we're all on the same page there. Well, remember last year he got injured doing the quarterback sneak in an unnecessary time too, I believe is what everybody kind of viewed that as. So it's one of those things. I'm not going to say Patrick Mahomes is fragile at all because he's a really tough guy and very smart. That first touchdown run that he had, I saw it coming a mile away. My daughter didn't see it coming. She, she, she's into football now, right? And it's basically because of Patrick Mahomes. And uh, she, when he stopped on a dime and the defensive player just whoop, just went right by him and he just strolled into the end zone. She's like, ha ha. She thought, and I was like, man, I remember when those things used to be new to me too, but he just makes the game look so easy. Josh Allen, I don't think is quite at that point of a Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to say things look hard for Josh Allen out there, but they sure don't look as easy as Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes is just a different kind of animal. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, now that we're at the last four teams, you got to think about the whole picture the scope of the teams and the scope of the player, right? So I'm referring to Josh Allen. Josh Allen came into the league as a project, quote unquote, uh, quote unquote, not accurate, quote unquote, wild card. We heard all those things over and over again, blah, blah, blah. They beat it to death in the media. The scouts beat it to death. Okay. Well, the first year he came along and he showed a lot right out of the gate. Sure. They ran the ball more than they wanted to with him, but he got his team where they needed to get. And he, he had a good showing second year comes around. He shows improvement throwing the ball. Third year comes around. Now he's going to finish second in the MVP. However, the playoffs are a different animal. Lamar Jackson won the MVP last year. He still hasn't proven he could do it in the playoffs. 
Josh Allen now in his second year back to back in the playoffs. Like you said, the numbers aren't as impressive. He's not looking as smooth. He's not looking as relaxed. He's not looking as productive as he does during the regular season. So if he's on that stepping stone going up, it's happening. He's gone from being a project to being a possible all-star to being a possible MVP, but the playoffs are the next step. I think that's next year or the year down the line. I don't think that time is right now, right? I do think here, I'm going to drop this one on you. If something did happen to Mahomes, I still think the Chiefs could win and I still think they could cover the spread. Mm-hmm. That's that's my lack of confidence in Buffalo right now. So I'm taking Tampa Bay and I'm taking KC. I have a rooting interest because Leslie Frazier is the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, and he's part of my Super Bowl shuffle, Chicago Bears shuffling crew. Yeah. All right, so I got a rooting interest in this. I want to see Buffalo win. I can see Kansas City blowing the doors off of Buffalo, though, just to be honest with you, and I hope I don't make any Buffalo Bills fans mad and they start crashing through my ceiling and stuff like that. But that's just – I can see this one getting to be a blowout. It's As long as he stays healthy, that's very possible because the problem with Buffalo is – If they hang around, they'll be fine. If they fall behind, if the Chiefs get out to a hot start, I don't see the Bills having the same resiliency that the Browns had last week, right? Give the Browns credit. They couldn't close the game. And by the way, right? I mean, let's really talk about the big picture here. That game showed you everything, everything you need to know about football, Browns versus Chiefs. We got to a point where the Browns did everything they could to hang around, and so did the Chiefs once Mahomes went down. Both teams were dogfighting, right? They were hanging around, leaving it all on the field. The coaches were trying to do tricky stuff. Andy Reid uh, closed that game with a miracle play, super genius play with Eric Bieniemy, the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. That was beautiful. They're throwing the kitchen sink at each other. But when it got down to it, and it was winning time, the ball was in the Browns' hands. Baker Mayfield had the ball. Kevin Stefanski, head coach, They didn't have what it took to drive down and score when the season was on the line. That's what it comes down to, right? They had the fortitude to hang around. Now now we we translate that into this Buffalo game. If the Chiefs get out to the hot start, being that we've already seen Buffalo get ahead and blow a lead last year against the Texans and lose, also get ahead against the Colts and almost blow it this year, if it went in reverse and the Chiefs went up 19-3 to like they did against – the Browns this past week, I think the Bills would fold up the tent. I don't think they could do it. So th- so to me, that's why they're a step behind the other teams that are here in the Final Four. I think Tampa Bay, Green Bay, KC could all come back. I don't think Buffalo could come back if they go behind. Okay. I guess we have everything official now. Both of us are taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the points, of course. And both of us are taking the Kansas City Chiefs to cover that spread, John. that That, that sounds like two winners to me. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with that. I, I'll get back to you. You know, I'll probably, maybe I'll tweet out my final pick on the yeah, over-under because yeah. that, that is a tough one, and it's too early. It's We're talking right now it's 11.22 Eastern uh, on a Saturday here, and the game is tomorrow 3 o'clock. So we, we, that's such a tight one. we got to get some more data. So I'll come back to you on that. Uh, Kansas City and Buffalo feels like an over. Like I said, both teams getting the job done for the first three quarters, and then Kansas City defense does what it always does, clamps down in the fourth. Josh Allen can't get the job done. The whole team, I'm not blaming him. As a team, they haven't been able to get it done in those tight spots. It looks sloppy to me. So they're not going to be able to get it done. The Chiefs will close that out, and they'll hit the over, and they'll cover the spread in the fourth quarter. So that's the way it looks to me. Well, John, it is time for me to go. My five-year-old has brought me an empty, it looks like a, uh, let's see here. This has got to be eight ounces of soap or something like that. It's got to be eight ounces of soap. She has brought me an empty eight-ounce mm. soap container, and I don't know where the rest of the soap is. 
I, I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm sure she was trying to help Daddy out in cleaning something. So I, I may have a mess to clean up here, John. Uh, before I stay flustered and introduce you as uh, John Legend again, could you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter? Of course, my man Wes. It's John Frisella at Legend Sports Seven. Right here at the Fit Network with my man Wes Easley on the John Frisella Show. Don't forget Aaron Torres online. I'm about to start banging out some NBA fantasy columns over there as we get to the end of this NFL season. Uh, John Frisella blog, johnfrisellasports.blogspot.com. Uh, over on Bison Radio every once in a while. They got me over there with Jeff Colhane and Andy Rykoff. So get that content coming at you five different ways at Legend Sports 7. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Lofinit. And you can also follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Head over to Anchor FM and you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever listening platform you like to listen to podcasts on. And uh, if it's on the iTunes app, make sure you slap those stars around and leave a review. But more importantly than all those other things, Fit Fam, we always want to encourage you to go out into the world and make a fantasy, uh, make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 